Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? This is Pat the Talking Bearskin Rug, and do we have a treat for you? In this month's microsode, we don't just have one topic or one interview to give to you. We've actually got two. So sit back and relax and settle in for the first of our two interviews with the one and only Brian Anderson. And then stay tuned. We have an extra special interview coming up right after that. Welcome to Flame On. I am Brian the Bear. I am here. With the one and only Brian Anderson. Hi, I'm also Brian a bear. Oh, that's true. You now have you been a bear before I get into your your credentials? I do have to ask this. Have you been a bear for a while, or is this a more recent development? I'm recently fat, so I guess I'm kind of a bear. Recent bear. <laughs> well, I was going for the bearded thing because I thought I had seen a picture. Oh. You know, however long ago I first uh, you know heard of you, and, and I think friended you on Facebook or whatever, and. I don't remember seeing a beard, but then, you know, we are doing this over Skype. We did do a little video preview for a second, and uh, you are very nicely right. bearded now, so that's that's very Well, good. I've been bearded for a long time because I have no visible jawline, so oh. I have to have a beard to appear like I have something of a chin. Oh, well, yeah, I, but, tr- I understand. But not to offend anybody who's a, a bear and therefore overweight, because not all bears are overweight, so not to offend any of my... <laughs> Hello bears. The community is so oversensitive these days that we don't want to. That's true. We don't want to do anything. anything. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who do not know Brian, uh, you might know him from any number of different places. The first and the thing I had found out about you was uh, being uh, one of the very first, I think, gay geeky podcasters. I, you know, if I have my facts straight, when was oh. X Gays put out? How long ago? Like. Um, wow, I don't know. Like, well, I think you've been longer than us. We've been doing it. We did it for about three years, four years. But do you remember when you started? Uh, it was before my fellow ex-gays co-host Jason Brock 
joined X Factor, and that was two years ago. So three years ago, I guess. Oh, all right. Well, so that was around That's the time long. we started then. Okay, I didn't realize that we were about the same time. I had thought that you were uh, you were earlier. But so so you may know him from X Gaze. Um, you may know him from his work in comics. Uh, if you have not read So Super Duper, a fabulous anthology of uh, gay, geeky, superhero fun, you're missing out. Right. It's great. You're sorely missing out. Seriously, no. Um, it's, it's, it's super fun. We'll talk about that. We also, and I read this actually today, uh, Sex and the Superhero. Yes. Which is an ongoing, right? Actually, that was just a one-shot I've done. Oh. What I want to do is ongoing, but I uh, just put it as a one-shot for now. Then kind what of an are... introductory issue to test the waters to see what the response was, and then I would love to do more stories. Well, I loved it. I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get into oh, all those you. eventually. No, I, I really did enjoy that. Now, what are the yeah, other two? DJs in the mail. Oh. <laughs> what uh, what what were your uh, were the other two you had mentioned? I also have a friend of Dorothy, which is my fairly more recent work, and then um, Rainbow and Diva, which I also collected into a graphic novel collection. Oh, okay. Now, I think I actually. Uh oh, the little ones. The little ones getting uh, cranky. She, she's joining the conversation, so she'll be <laughs> chiming in for here now and then. So adorable. So let's start with Sue. So super duper because. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And one more thing. Of course, you may know him from The Advocate, uh, as the latest and greatest gay geeky correspondent. And actually, you know, I know they have from time to time had gay. Or of course, gay geeky content, like just here and there. Right. But you're like a regular thing now, right? Yeah, well, we had someone before covering all things geek for The Advocate. And uh, there's actually, if you go to theadvocate.com, you know, they have different breakdowns for each type of, I guess, article they're posting. And they actually have their own banner for geek. So that's kind of my beat, I guess I'd say. So I cover all things geek. And I've just done it for the last, it's been two weeks. So that's fairly new. Yeah, but it's it's so both awesome to see and... Uh... I don't know. It's it's weird because I've been reading The Advocate both online and in print since I was in college in the '90s, and you know, it's it's it has always been to me the like gay New York Times. You know, it's the right. one place. That's what it, that's what yeah, that's what it wants to be. It's kind of a more I want to say hard hitting, but you know, a little more newsy focused type of. I mean, in contrast to like Out or X and Y, right. certainly, or I don't even know yeah. Instinct. I mean, you know, those are a little more flashy fashion right. or you know eye candy oriented but so so yeah that's that's your your background now the uh, let's go back to the ex-gays because you know being flame being a being another fellow gay podcast you know we're obviously curious about our competition now our uh, our brethren <laughs> um because it is still a very relatively small field yeah. although growing thankfully right so the ex-gays started a few years ago it was you and jason, jason brock okay and then He's- yeah, and then he left the show after he went on the X Factor, and he made a stab at becoming a famous singing sensation. And he's still in the trenches making that happen. Uh-huh. So I had a bunch of co-hosts handle. I uh, took over, like you know, rotating co-hosts for a year. And um, I recently stopped doing it after I had my baby. She's five months old, so we haven't done it for probably about eight months or so. Okay. Um, and as a parent, I mean, I, I'm not a parent, but I'm an uncle to many, or at least a handful of children these days. Uh, and so I, trust me, I totally understand how that works. And you're probably something of a daddy to many a twink, I'm guessing, right? I, I, I do not profess to be quite the twink slayer that others do, but, uh, (laughs) 
I, I will not lie. I have been called daddy at least once on one occasion. So, <laughs> I've been called daddy in both variations of the term. So, I <laughs> so, so Sex Gaze was basically a comic book focused uh, gay geeky podcast, right? Right. With tons of raunchy, horrible, sexual and offensive humor. Well, that's, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, it does mean you have to get the explicit tag on iTunes. But other than that, it's, it's actually a, kind of a badge of honor. So, um, yeah. and a, as part of that, you know, you, you got to, I'm sure, do a lot of cool stuff. And uh, you guys did interviews and reviews. And uh, did you kind of yeah, make, make the rounds? Yeah, and we covered, uh, you know, we covered AVX when that was released at 12 midnight. That was like, what, two years ago as well? Mm-hmm. We went to the comic book store and covered that and interviewed people who were coming in. So that was really fun. And we've just had, um, you know, just a lot of different co-hosts and people talking about their geeky interests. We try to cover everything from gaming to movies to collectibles. You know, oh, we try wow. to broaden it, even though it's called X-Gaze, which is X-Men-centric. We try to make it everything geeky-related. Right, yeah. The, you, you never know with your audience, like, what people will want to listen to. We have added drag to our lineup, and some people Ooh. love it. Some people hate it. They're like, stop doing drag. I, tr- I know, I know. And hopefully uh, that one listener that I know basically told, he's a friend of mine. He told me this in person. He's like, just stop doing the drag thing or do do whatever. I'm like, but that's, you know, we're interested in that. And we're getting to meet drag queens and talk about their exactly. lives. And, and it's it, more fabulous than geeky drag queens. I know, right? Well, anyway. So, uh, so X Gays uh, kind of wrapped, and you're you're or you're on hiatus, let's say, until you get more time right. and you want to dig back into that. Um, now, the writing and the comics that you've been doing was that something you started prior to that? Have you been doing that for long? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I've been doing comics since uh, I think 2006, 2007. So quite a while. Um, yeah, I love it. It's something that I've always wanted to do, and all the other geeky things kind of, believe it or not, came after the comic book. So I kind of, I guess, somewhat established a name for myself as a geeky comic book independent creator who's also a massive bitch. And uh, <laughs> I guess people gleaned onto that, so I've kind of, you know, my name gone around a little bit, and here I am writing for The Advocate. I've written for Newsarama and Instinct Magazine, and... Uh, podcast and now i'm talking to you fine gentlemen well so let me ask you about your inspirations or i guess like because you wanted to get into comics aside from the big two and we can talk about that as well were there any other like people or comic book or cartoonists that you you saw as inspiration and kind of made you want to start doing that um yeah i would say well i guess i read one time an interview that one um comic book creator and i can't remember who it was he said that you know, the problem with comic book fans is that almost everybody who reads comic books wants to also be a creator. So you're kind of dealing with this whole massive audience who's sort of gunning for your job, I guess I'd say, and therefore are hypercritical of what you're doing. Uh-huh. Um, so that was me as well. I mean, since I picked up my first comic book, the very first thing I wanted to do was create one myself. And it took me a long time to actually sit down and do it because I didn't know how to go about doing it. Um, but once I did, I'm like, oh, this is really fun, and it's a great world to be in, and it's a great um, you know, underground, underground world, and I was like, this is totally, it fits me. I, I love doing it. Now, I know the So Super Duper was a uh, kick, Kickstarter uh, yes. published, right? Okay. And yeah. had you been, you well, had... I, I published the individual books myself, and then I did a trade collection, which Kickstarter paid for, okay. and um, 
that collected all the 12 issues. Plus I redid a lot of the coloring and made the pencils a little tighter and kind of corrected things that were wrong here and there. So it's kind of like a reworking, I guess I, I would say like a remastering of the original. Okay. Well, the colors, I, I've been reading it on my uh, Samsung tablet and the colors are gorgeous. Like it's very, very, very vibrant. Yes, Which, <laughs> that's what people tell me. For, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but no, people always tell me it's, it's very bright. It's for superhero, and it's very superhero based. It's a, a basically right. the story of Psych, right? Yes, and he right. is kind of it's a coming of age story, sort of for this superhero yes. uh, as he joins this team. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the team. I'm sorry, uh, Amazing Not. That's right. That's right. Um, so he joins the team and has sort of a a learning curve, if you will, to not only figure out yes. his his powers, his power set, if you will, and how he fits in with the team dynamic, but also his sexuality. And it's it's very humorous. I would say it's far more humorous than serious. Yes, and there's serious elements, but I, I guess when I went into it, I wanted to make kind of a harken back to the old comic books where they used to be kind of more fun and mm-hmm. bright and kind of, uh, I don't want to say goofy, it's not a goofy comic book, but... You know, just something that, remember comic books used to be fun and kind of playful and it had serious and dramatic elements, but it was also just a kind of a happy experience. And now I feel like comic books are so dark and broody and not that there's anything wrong with that because I still love them, of course, but I wanted to do something that was more hearkening back to, you know, when I first started reading comic books. Now, um, so, so yeah, very much like the Morrison versus Frank Miller or, or actually Morrison right. versus Alan Moore kind of thing. Um Yeah. I would say it's kind of Archie-esque. So I would say it's Archie-esque, but with a little more Adult. realism, dramaticness to it, I guess I'd say, yes. Yeah. Drama. Drama, if you will. It's, it's melodramatic, and Psych is a very colorful, both, you know, actually and also figuratively, uh, right. character. Lots of sass, lots of sort of, you almost would say stereotypical sort of, like, personality quirks. Which is, yes, which is hilarious to me because... When I started creating the comic book, Psych is really based off myself, and I've told the story a million times. But when I when I've uh, created him, I kind of um, built him around how I act and how I respond to things. And perhaps maybe he's maybe amplified to the eleventh power, but um, <laughs> he's still you know really kind of me. So it's funny to me. I was totally caught off guard when I the negative criticism I get from the book are two things. One. The art sucks, which granted, I will I will give you that. And two, um, the character is too fruity and stereotypical. They just can't stand him. And that really caught me off guard because um, not that every gay person is fruity and flamboyant, but that was my reality. So I was just showing my reality. But people just saw him and could not get past the fact that he was so fruitily feminine and I kept telling people, well, he's not the only gay character in the comic book. You know, there's other types, I exactly. guess, say, of gays. No, I was going to say, uh, and again, I apologize. My, 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 I've had a long weekend, and uh, his his love interest at first, this the brother of the sister. Yes, Comet. Comet. Much, I think, more what people would say is a. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to put these into these kind of you know archetypes, but less flamboyant, right. certainly. Uh, you know, a straight acting, I guess, is a lot of people's yes. favorite term for this. I would uh, almost say he's more of the acceptable gay, <laughs> I would say, in, in media. So I feel like the only acceptable gay in media are the ones that are so watered down that they could be interchangeable with any other character. 
which I feel is actually kind of sad. Or they've been neutered so much that even if they're sassy like Jack from Will and Grace, they don't have any overt sexual nature. Oh, no. Heaven forbid if that were the case. Exactly. So ruin the world. Now, for the art, you drew this, right? I drew half the book. I drew um, eight issues, and then I realized that I'm more of a dabbler in the artistic world, not so much of a of a amazing cartoonist like I wish I would be. Uh-huh. And so I realized I needed some help. So I enlisted my trusty um, co-creator, Selena Hernandez, and she took over the rest of the book from issue eight until issue 12. Okay. So I did half and she did the rest. So you might think you're reading it. You're like, wow, his art's gotten a lot more uh, <laughs> refined, but no, okay. that's, that's interesting because as a, a very, a very, very amateur dabbler myself, it's interesting to see where a creator sort of reaches the limits of their abilities and they decide, you know what, I'm going to bring in the, the big guns and try right. to do that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, your cartooning, it's in a lot of indie styles is, you know, more on the cartoony side. And I was yeah. we were having this big discussion about this at Heroes Con and, and, and some of the creators were talking about this and how the more photorealistic, the more, you know, hyper hyper realistic the more people don't have to apply themselves as much. They can just sort of look at the page and oh, go, that's okay. that's very true, yeah. But yet, as true. a cartoonist, a lot of cartoonists that are in more independent, uh, the Hernandez brothers are a great example, of course, Love and Rockets. Their art style, as much as they're both very distinct and, and, and very, you know, kind of special, a lot of it's fairly basic lines. They're not yeah, super high realistic. You're right. Yeah, it's very simple cartoonish. It's kind of like Trina Robbins. I don't know if you know her artwork, but it's similar to hers. It was also very simple lines, cartoony, but still had its own charm and, yes. and wonderment to it. Yeah, and so that, but that also then draws in the readers and makes them have to sort of work a little harder with their imagination. Right. Um, which is its own so, thing. Yeah. It's funny because I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, when I was in, I had my comic book syndicated on Newsarama, on the blog on Newsarama for two years when I did reviews and wrote articles for them. And um, oh my gosh, the amount of hatred and anger I got from people solely based on my art style, art style was insane. Like it was insane. I was so, again, unprepared Mm -hmm. for how much people would hate on my ability of drawing because I thought it was cute and fun and, you know, there's a lot of independent comic books that are cute and fun and simplistic drawing, but oh no, forget it. Because I was on Newsarama, people hated me. And that's, it's funny, you, you mentioned that because we talked about this at the con too and how uh, internet trolls are a huge problem and there are people yes. who are just vicious in vicious. the internet when they would never do this in real life. They wouldn't have the, no. the courage to confront somebody like that directly. Um, isn't that bizarre? Like, what do you think creates that mentality? I always wonder, like, what puts someone in a position that they want to be so hateful to somebody hiding behind a computer? The, I don't get it. The only thing I've thought of with this is, and it's the obvious thing, is some of these people, I think, have had such either bad experiences growing up where they were bullied or or or, or something where they feel powerless. Like, they, they look at their lives and they feel like they have no agency at all. And they find this then online, this chance to just take uh, apart people and, and tear down people right. for their own, uh, so they feel better. I mean, we all know right. when we're when we're being catty at our, at our worst, 
the things that make us feel the best are taking other people down, reading them, you know, the libraries. Oh, girl, trust me. I I could be a catty bitch sometimes. Right. I have no problem reading people. But I also feel like I wouldn't do it somewhere where I was just actively hating on somebody every single day. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And then that's 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 the unfortunate thing is I think they get so stuck in it. But so that so that yeah I and actually you know I think I I did remember seeing your stuff on Newsarama. I've been back in comics for a few years, but I don't always keep up with some of those sites. But now right. that you mention that, now I do remember seeing. So that's a really good platform for someone trying to sort of get their name out there as, oh, a, as yeah. a cartoonist. It was awesome. Right? So that's much, what actually gave me the. Um, creator pro i guess badge that i have now at comic-con was the fact that i was on newsarama so now i get my free pro badge whenever i go to any comic book convention which is kind of nice oh very cool i didn't know yeah. that that's that's a that's a great that's that's what more can you ask for you just show up right, exactly do your thing sell <laughs> some I books to do out you know drill out hand jobs and <laughs> dj's free badge but you know they just gave it to me so i'm fine with that now you're you're more your follow on well, stuff. Like that joke. Oh well, you know, daddy giving a hand job. Maybe not the best imagery for a young father. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, the uh, sex and the superhero. That's a more recent uh, thing of yours, correct? Mm, that's uh, again, it's probably about four years old. Oh, is it? Got... See, this is what happens when I do my research <laughs> fairly late. No, and this yeah. is the other thing. I mean, your stuff is available through your website, of course, right? Correct. Uh, which is what. Yeah. It's what? a so superduper.com. Excellent. So make sure you guys, and we'll put that in the, the notes, of course, so people can find it. But um, Great. other than your, other than directly through you, how have you distributed your stuff? Like, uh, so it's, yeah, it's been on sale at prismcomics.org where okay. you can go to the online store and you can actually buy physical copies. And I've had it distributed through multiple stores throughout the U.S. So it's been in New York. It's been here all over San Francisco. It's been in uh, Chicago, a couple stores. Texas, it's been in. Wow. Um, and then, you know, when I go to comic conventions, it's on sale there. And then I just have it for sale on my website where you can just PayPal me for a digital copy. And then I'll send you the PDF link. Excellent. So, yeah. And so, so I will admit when I was sort of putting together Flame On and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I did not find your stuff readily. And I did know of Prism, but I guess, you know, obviously in your kind of... And Prism, actually, even three years ago, wasn't what it is now. I mean, now it's a... The major Zan has done such great work building up this this publishing company and uh it's in a far well, better prism, place prism separate from northwest press so oh northwest i'm an idiot press is dan's publishing company prism is the um organization i guess i'd say that represents all kinds of publishers including myself so i'm self-published there's a lot of other self-published artists okay. and creators so they cover all of us they're like all inclusive but what's the, the relationship part. between prism and northwest isn't is there a relationship or are they completely separate well, now they're separate, but Zan originally started PrismComics.org as That's, a means okay. of getting gay geeks kind of a connection with other gay creators. That's and then he went off and started his Northwest Press um, imprint, and then he kind of left Prism Comics, and now it's run by other people as a nonprofit. And again, they have like combo conventions and events, and then they have an online store, and that's where you could buy books from any gay publisher. Okay, okay, because I knew there was some connection. I thought Zan was, and, and like you said, he is the connection. But um, so, right. and this is, of course, is not to be confused with like class comics, which is a whole right. other thing. No, but Prism <laughs> also sells class comics. So again, they're kind of like a, I guess I would say they're like a diamond comic sort of, if you want to put it that way, where they okay. will cover carry all types of gay comic books that you can purchase through them, and then say class comics 
will get a percentage of whatever book you buy from Prism, and they get the other percentage. Gotcha. So yeah, exactly like a diamond. That's that's uh, yeah. that's, that's good. That's good for pe- our listeners actually because we've never talked about these distributions. We had Zan on uh, I think last year or two years ago. Uh, we've talked to oh, a few other uh, naughty him for not explaining that Zan. Hello. Yeah. Actually, you know, he he may have explained more than I. It's it's been that long, so. Um, or were you just high at the time, or oh, both? Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know what? I, I what's sad is I do most of these things with Flame on, but I was actually not there for the interview, <laughs> so I actually heard the interview secondhand, like any other, like any listener. So, uh, anyway, long story short, you are distributed through uh, Prism. And so people can go check you out there. You are available directly digital, like you said, which I am now going like all digital. I love having them on my i. Uh, not I. I want to say iPad, of course. Everyone say iPad, my tablet. Um, right. So, what is your most recent uh, comic that you've done? So my most recent book was uh, Friend of Dorothy, issue one and two, and I'm currently finishing issue three, being worked on now. Um, and Friend of Dorothy came out, I guess I'd say a year and a half ago. Uh, I've taken the last year off because of my gorgeous daughter who doesn't like hand job jokes. Um, <laughs> she's kind of taking a lot of my time. So I've taken a bit of a break from creating comic books, but I have a number of stuff that I'm hopefully going to be uh, launching sometime soon. Oh, great. Well, definitely when you do let us know and we'll share it. Um, oh, thank you. What is uh, friends of Dorothy about? So friends of Dorothy, um, I really wanted to create a story about a teen gay character who um, just struggles with the sexuality, which I guess now that I'm a little bit more older and I'm kind of away from that world, I feel like it's kind of been done. But at the time, I felt like it would be great to have a gay teen character who kind of um, struggles with who he is, but then he gets empowered by um, Galindo the good witch of Oz, who's a male version of Galinda, he comes in and gives this character's name, Scott John, all these abilities of Oz. So he becomes the champion of Oz on earth and he has to go and uh, defeat an evil munchkin who's trying to take over earth. So he gets uh, like the tin woodsman's axe and these ruby boots, they're kind of go-go boots instead of slippers. And um, he gets like a, these gloves are the tip, the lion gloves that give him power of 10 lions. So um, he kind of becomes like the superhero who goes on a journey. He goes and picks up his boyfriend, teenage boyfriend, and they go together to kind of defeat this munchkin character. Oh, that sounds so much fun. I love that, that yeah. he, uh, he <laughs> takes these like totems from Oz and like, they right. give they're him all powers, yeah. back to Oz and there's evil um, flying monkeys that possess people. So they become kind of like zombies with a monkey winged monkey on their shoulder that control them. Uh-huh. So he has to fight them. And there's also these evil scarecrows that are kind of possessed dark versions of the scarecrow who try to kill you. So there's a bunch of Ozian uh, ideas in it. It's really supposed to, I mean, at first it sounds like a tongue-in-cheek kind of dumb, goofy story, but again, my whole point in my telling my lighthearted stories is I try to make it more dramatic and realistic as much as possible. So I take an idea that sounds kind of dumb, but I try to make it something more serious and fun. I guess I'd say kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, is inherently a, a goofy idea, but when they did it, they did it very seriously, so it worked. Yeah, and and you know, like you said, it sounds like something that is both fun and has can be serious or whatever. And you know, we're talking about this again. Heroes like it's yeah. as much as there has been that coming of age, coming out story. I think it needs to be told even more because I still think there's so many, so many kids who don't know that 
as a story and they don't have right. that thing to relate to. You know what I mean? So I, th- I think it's great actually that you're, you're empowering this character, both, you know, literally and figuratively with these powers, like, and that, that people could see themselves in that, even if it's, you know, fantastic. Right. Oh, well, thank you. You're BJ's in the mail. <laughs> I'd like to know how that works now. Um, so one <laughs> more thing, I, I've got to figure this out. Now I know you have had issues with, and I'm not call it censorship because it is, but uh, with X gays on Facebook, you have had yes. some amazing uh, art and pictures and uh, photographs and whatever of 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 some great eye candy, right? But you have over the course I've known the the X gays and, and you, you've had issues with Facebook censorship somehow. Could you? Uh, yes. Talk? Yeah. That, well, I think. Part of it was I was, again, the trolls were coming after me. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure if it was people who didn't like gay imagery or if it was gay people that I offended. Because, again, you know, the gay community nowadays, not everybody. But for the most part, a lot of us are still hyper-PC, easily offended at everything. Uh-huh. So they would – I had a couple people who were gay who had problems with XYZ. And so I think they just started coming after me and uh, recording all my pictures. And so eventually I got banned at least three separate occasions for 24 to 48 hours. Um, and so what happened was, luckily, I shouldn't probably go into this, but I have a friend of a friend who works at Facebook. And they uh, looked into my account and found out who was doing it. And without saying so much, they said a couple people were uh, anti-gay people. And then a couple people were fellow LGBT people who were just trolling my page. And um, they now put me in this secure group that's with, I guess they have an LGBT group that handles all LGBT type entertainment website pages on Facebook. Oh, wow. And so now I'm monitored by them. So I haven't been banned since, but I did recently get a picture removed that was found deemed inappropriate. So And what's funny <laughs> that is was when, yesterday. Oh, I didn't Sorry. realize that. When, when, you, when you have that happen, what I love that you do is that you put the original picture up on your blog. So you'll put a link oh, yeah. to that so people can go and check it out. And sometimes it's kind of ridiculous because it's like, are you kidding me? I have Facebook right. groups now where I'm getting practically full nudity on Facebook. So, the, well, how it works, as I found out too, just so you know, is once you've been reported once or twice, you will go into this high-risk yeah. group. So then any picture someone wants to report you for, any picture, it could be a picture of, you know, Ariel, Little Mermaid, like that has nothing wrong with it. But if someone reports it, it automatically goes into this silent computer mode and you just get banned outright. Wow. So that's where I was for a while. I was in Facebook jail for a while because of that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. But on the flip side, you have, of all of our little gay groups that we have out there, I am impressed with the way you've been able to, you've got thousands of, of likes, I believe. I have almost 40,000 likes on my page. I, now, I which just, is crazy. that's amazing. Like, you know, you yeah. look at some of these other ones, like even Geeks Out, which has been, you know, climbing up uh, with all the work they've been doing, and they're still not there. I mean, it's it's impressive. It's very cool. And obviously having platforms like Newsarama and The Advocate and all that, that helps. But, I mean, you've worked hard, I think, to get to I that have. point. Yeah. Yes, I have. Well, it's kind of a hobby of mine, and I feel like it's not that hard for me to find cool images, which I kind of do on my you know, when I'm watching the TV and I'm bored, I'll just scroll through and try to find things. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot toot. But I feel like it's all about kind of taste factor. And I try to 
I try to present images that I feel have something to say, you know, whether it's like a cute cartoon or some cool mashup or some incredibly sexy guy that's not being too sexy. That's just being yeah. sort of porn. And I try to always make like the captions somewhat humorous and attention grabbing. Uh-huh. And so I guess I would say, hopefully the taste that I bring to the X gaze is to the taste of other people. And so all the likes I get are really just from word of mouth from people sharing my images. I don't yeah. really advertise the page uh-huh. with Facebook. It's just from people sharing the images and then people come and like the images and they join the fun and we just keep growing. Well, it's been very impressive, and I know we've shared numerous posts of yours on Flame On because they're great. I mean, it's 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 what I feel like we should do as a community is share these kind of things and and really build up this uh, community that we have. Um, and uh, well, I guess I totally agree. But I feel like part of the problem is a lot of uh, fellow LGBT geeky creator type people i felt like a lot of them are really competitive with each other oh, okay. and i don't really necessarily feel that way but i know certain um groups in the gay community who i'm i know quite well don't really care for me i guess i'd say huh. <laughs> until um, i don't think there's a lot of necessary support on their end but really? i just keep doing what i'm doing and ignore you know the haters well i the I... haters are my my motivators yeah, and you know, honestly, it's it's one of those things where the the more well you are well known well known you are, the more good and bad is going to come with it. And at right. some point, you know, any any attention is attention. So right. I I I do not know of any such people in our little community that has issues with you. Obviously, uh, <laughs> so, you're so sweet. Your BJ's in the mail. Yeah, I'm. Cl- oh man, I'm I'm getting quite a collection. You got three coming your way. I oh, that's exciting. Um. <laughs> You know, I don't want to keep you too long. I I feel like we're gonna we'll put your website up, which is so superduper dot com. Awesome. You're on Twitter, right? The X Gaze, yes. Okay, so we'll put that up as well. Uh, Facebook, of course, and you know we're you we'll put we'll we'll put a link to your page up on our Facebook. But we've already liked you, and we'll we'll, we'll we share so many posts. If you just go to Flame On's Facebook, you'll find them, or just search for X Gaze, you'll find them. And I will also post you on my X Gaze page, and hopefully send some eyeballs your direction. Woo, that'd be great, especially after this weekend. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, and congrats, you guys. I hope you're talking about it after this. But congrats on your awesome panel and being written up in Bleeding Cool. That's amazing. I was like, how great is that? I was driving home when I found all that out, but we'll talk about that off the air. Um, but yeah, no, thank you, Brian, so much. And I hope in the near future, maybe we can even have you sit in for a full episode and you can just, just like the, or, or when you decide you want to bring the X gaze out of retirement, we'll have like a fun little crossover or something. That would be awesome. If we meet in person, I could give you your delivery of BJ's in person. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, <laughs> we, now we got to do this now. Um, are you doing any cons coming up? Do you have anything on your yeah, schedule? I'm- yeah, I'm actually going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, okay. I'm going to be on a panel on uh, Friday, July 25th. I believe it's from 2 to 3, and it's called LGBT Comics for Youth. Yes. And um, I'm excited. Prism Comics invited me to be a part of it, and I'm really super stoked to be part of it. Very cool. Well, we'll definitely, uh, you, when you when that's coming closer, just let us know, and we'll broadcast the hell because i mean i'm so excited we got a gay panel at uh you know heroes con in charlotte but That's i mean amazing, you know, yeah san diego new york chicago they they're they've all they for several years now have had great panels and i am i'm very envious but i'm sure you're going to do great and that'll be a great panel for people to see i mean youth is such a big market and they need to know right. these positive stories so Right, and that's what I tried. My books have always been geared towards, I guess, youthful, like teenage youthful. So I, I always say that it could be enjoyed by 
kids and adults and fat people and skinny people and <laughs> ugly people and handsome people and you know aliens and mutants and you know if you enjoy hopefully just a fun good story you can enjoy one of my comic books absolutely and there's sexy stuff too um which again right. it's not graphic but it's sexy enough no. that i think you're right like a, a like a later teen uh adult male or female there's some, some right. lesbian stuff like it's it's uh it's fun so well, thank yeah. you again for joining us, and thank um, you. Thank we'll you uh, we'll, awesome. we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, take care. All righty, so that was our interview with Brian Anderson of the X Gaze, and coming up for you now, a very special interview. In case you haven't checked it out on our YouTube channel, you know you can search for Flame On under Channels and watch this interview as it happened live. But here we go for your listening enjoyment. The boys sit back and interview the one and only Jason Aaron. Hey, I'm Eric with Flame On. I am here with Brian. Hello. Jeff. How's it going? Oral. That's me. And actually, Pat here, too. What's going on? And we are here today. We're going to interview Jason Aaron, the greatest writer of, oh, we have with Thor, oh, Original Michael. Sin, and Seven Bastards. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, Jason. Hi. <laughs> so Jason okay first I wanted to say that um, I read your Incredible Hulk when you did the Incredible Hulk run uh-huh. and it was one of my favorite Hulk stories to date it's, I Thanks. thought it was phenomenal I mean I love Planet Hulk and everything by Greg Pak but that one the way you the way you split Banner and and, and uh, uh, the Hulk it was just a great story like what drove you to write something like that to split them apart uh, well, it, it started out as an idea for a Hulk miniseries where I wanted to do kind of Apocalypse Now with uh, Banner as Kurtz and Hulk as the hero. Um, just because I like the idea of flipping the paradigm and making Banner the scary one um, and being able to, to, to do a really sympathetic portrayal of the Hulk um, instead of the typical setup of you know Banner as the poor nerdy scientist and Hulk as the monster who comes out of him, so I just wanted to do something different. Um, and it started out as pretty dark, and I think it got it got kind of wackier and crazier as it went along. To where it had, you know monkeys throwing radioactive poop and, and all sorts of weird uh, new characters uh, popping up uh, in that run. So I I enjoyed writing Hulk. I had a lot of fun. With it, I liked this, especially there was the one art called Stay Angry, where it was um, a lot of di- got to work with a lot of different cool artists. There's a different guy drawing every issue. Got to do a lot of new characters. Um, that was fun. Uh, m- most hardcore Hulk fans were not huge fans of my Hulk run. It was really? a little too, a little too wacky, I think, for them. That's such a strong um, payoff, though. Well, thanks, thanks. Um, and so yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, I look at it kind of like as my the ghostwriter stuff I did. To me, it's kind of um, the same sort of level of uh, it's kind of dark at times, but most of it's sort of crazy and over the top. Um, right. so I think those are pretty similar. That was great. Well, I but wanted thanks. to. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. With that complement with the Arc by Sylvester, it was just a great story. And I'm a I'm a sucker for great white sharks. And the camera rating great white sharks is awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. That's I think is that issue two with that cover where he's punching the shark. It's one of yeah. my favorite, of my favorite covers it. of a book I've been associated with. Uh, speaking of sharks, Jason, um, I love your Thor. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Your Thor is like my... This is, good, this is a good segue. I like that you use the sharks to segue into Thor. Whenever I'm trying to sell Thor to people who haven't read it yet, I'm just like, it's like Jason Aaron decided to do Thor plus heavy metal, and it's like you have star sharks. So like, I have a question. Where in your mind did you decide, and this is where I'm going to put these celestial sharks that like just roam the cosmos there? Well, it, it came from, um, I think, when I was doing uh, Wolverine the X-Men uh, and rereading lots of old X-Men comics. Remember um, in some of those Claremont issues, there were those giant, like, whales that would fly through space? I think oh, the, brood, the, brood, right? the brood, like, used them as ships. Um, so I always thought that idea was awesome, for these giant space whales. So I was thinking along those lines, and I said, well, if they're space whales, they've got to be space sharks, right? Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll have to have the space sharks come back in Thor at some point. Yeah. They were great. The Thor one has been brilliant. You brought it back to, which I love, it went back to being like the whole gods and Asgard, because for a while it got very sciencey. And then you just brought it right back to its roots, and you've been like the God Butcher was brilliant, and this new this world with the Galactus and everything has just been fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm still having a lot of fun on Thor. Um, I was really happy with that first big arc. I loved being able to work with uh, Esad Ribic on it. I think he's done amazing stuff on Thor, and has really kind of defined, I think the the look and tone of Thor for many years to come. Um, but I'm still having just as much fun now as I was when we first started, and I'm as excited about the stuff that's coming up later this year as I was, uh, you know, when we first started the the God Butcher arc. Awesome! Oh so yeah, I, I, I hope love the God to stick around on Thor for. I hope to stick around for a, a, a really long run on Thor. I mean, I've had my schedule kind of has gotten crazy this year, you know, where I had to come off of Amazing X Men. Um, and I've been doing Original Sin, you know, which is a big event book uh, that ships twice a month. So that's been crazy. And I've got some other stuff coming up later. So I've had to kind of juggle things around. But uh, through all that, I, I've, I've clung tightly to Thor. I've actually turned down some other jobs because I knew if I took that job, it would mean I would probably have to give up Thor, you know, in the near future. So I've, I, I, I really desperately, like, they'll kind of have to just fire me off this book, basically. <laughs> just buy it away from me and say, stop writing Thor. Um, 
Because I really, you know, I want to have like some big Thor omnibuses by the time I'm done. I want to have a big epic run on it. Oh, like you have with Wolverine, that big omnibus? <laughs> yeah, I had two omnibuses come out in one day, which was pretty cool. There's a big X-Men <laughs> and, and a Punisher one, which is really awesome. I've never had a two omnibus day before, so that was great. And I, I don't get those, you know, for free. I don't get those comps of those from Marvel, like the big hardcover stuff you don't get. So I have to go buy them myself. So that was like, I spent like $250 on myself that day. <laughs> it felt, felt kind of shameful. They look great on a bookshelf. <laughs> and then I thought, well, I should probably buy copies of these for my mom, because my mom reads everything I do. But I was like, that's like $500. I'm going to spend $500 on myself today. <laughs> not worth that much. And hit volume one, Mom. <laughs> right. So I had to I had to wait a few weeks to buy them for her. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Well, the whole uh, Wolverine, like Wolverine, you brought him to hell, which was a fan. I love that whole story arc with him. Um, now, you know, now they're going to kill him again. Like... Do you have any insight of like what they're gonna do with this? I mean, you basically you you killed him, and then brought him back, and now they're doing it again. Like, what's well, your? Whole... I mean, like what what I did wasn't is different than what they're doing now. I mean, my story was really more about pulling Wolverine's soul out of his body because remember his body was still running around right under the control of some demons. That that which that all started as a as a Hellblazer story, as a, an idea for a Hellblazer story I was going to do before I became Marvel exclusive. So so I never really killed Wolverine. It was He was still physically still running around. It's just his soul was trapped in hell. So, I mean, what they're doing now is is different. Um, and, yeah, I, I you know, I kind of know where it's going. I mean, I you know, I get to go to the Marvel retreat, so you sit in the room and you hear all this stuff. Um which is cool to be in that room. It also kind of ruins all future Marvel stories for you because you always know how they're going to end. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, I mean, I'm not involved in you know any of the Death of Wolverine stuff. Um, uh, you know, I, I stepped away from Amazing X Men, which was kind of me saying goodbye to to the X Men world. And really, the the last issue of Wolverine and the X Men for me was kind of my me saying goodbye to Wolverine and kind of the story I've been telling with Wolverine for years. Um, and if I if I had been able to stick around a little bit longer on Amazing X Men, which I had wanted to initially, um, then I would have been on it through the through all this Death of Wolverine stuff, which um, I thought that would be a pretty good place for me to step away since I kind of came into Marvel with Wolverine. Like, well, now they're killing him, so that's a good time for me to to leave the X Men. But I didn't quite make it all the way there. Um, so you won't see any Death of Wolverine stories for me, but um, Charles Soule's a good guy, and I like his stuff. Uh, and what I know of the the story that he's going to tell sounds really cool, so um, I'm excited to read it. Awesome, awesome. Me too. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with him and everything. Um, but I do want to know, if I can, about the whole original sin, if I don't mind. But you said that you... Um, that you do this whole like retreat thing. So did you go into the Marvel uh, offices pitching this story? Was like this your big idea and your big concept and everything? For Original Sin? Yes. Uh, no, not really. Original Sin has kind of had a long history before 
it got to me. I think it started as an Alan Heinberg idea, and then at one point Ed Brubaker, I think Ed Brubaker was the one that came up with the, the idea of things starting with the death of the Watcher. Um, so it, it, when you go to these retreats, there, you know, we'll always talk about kind of what's the big news story. Um, so you know, we've got one coming up next month, and we'll be talking about what's what's our big news stuff for next year and and beyond. Um, so sometimes there are ideas that sort of come out of the ether, you know, when you've got all these people in in, in the room, and you may maybe something like, well, we don't want to do this idea right now, but we'll. It'll kind of float around, and it'll probably come back around, and eventually somebody will grab it. So Original Sin was one of those ideas that kind of floated around for a few different retreats. Um, I'm, I'm, I remember us talking about it quite a bit back when we were doing retreats for Fear Itself. So it's, it's been around for a while. It was never – it was just sort of the kernel of an idea, and it's – you know, whenever there's that sort of kernel floating around, it's somebody has to at some point reach out and grab it and take ownership of it. And figure it out. So we it, it came up again at another retreat, uh, you know, last year, year before, I don't remember when. And kind of for the first time, as we started to talk about, um, you know, this is the the idea of this is a murder mystery and things starting with the the murder of the watcher. That was the first time I really thought, you know what, I I kind of like to write that. So I just raised my hand. <laughs> and kind of, I mean, at one point, Joe Casada literally looked to the room and says, does anybody want to try to tackle this? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And here I am. So, it, I mean, it's still, you know, the, I mean, the story is still mine, everything from there. It's kind of that kernel of the idea of the death of the watcher and the secrets that spring out because of that. But I kind of had to figure out everything else, uh, which is always cool. I've done a couple of stories like that at Marvel. You know, sometimes it's all you. Like, you walk in and say, I want to do this. And they say, okay. Sometimes it's, you know, an editor will come to you. Like, Axel Alonso came to me a few different times when I was doing Wolverine. One was when I did the Get Mystique storyline. He just came to me and said, you know, all right, Wolverine chasing after Mystique for four issues. And I was like, okay. Or he came to me when I did Black Panther and said, um, you know, uh, Scrolls invading Wakanda for three issues. And I was like, got it. <laughs> so it's cool sometimes when you get those, you know, an editor brings you something and you got to figure it out. Um, and that's kind of what original sin was. But, um, you know, I, I did, there was no outline from Alan or, or Ed. I have no idea what the story would have been like if those guys had written it. Uh, but I'm, I'm really happy with what I was able to put together. Uh, I really like that, that platform, that, you know, that kernel of an idea that was floating around. And I'm really happy with the story I've been able to tell uh, from that. And, and people really seem to be digging it, which is cool. I have no idea what to expect. I've intentionally stayed off message boards. I didn't read reviews. I haven't read – I didn't want to read people speculating about who the killer was or who did this, so I kind of stayed away from all that. But all the stuff that's found its way to me – um, has been really gratifying. People seem to have gotten into it. And it's a weird story. You know, once the issue two, when the orb shows up, you kind of know, like, this is pretty crazy, right? Um, but I think by the time it's done, like, if you looked at it, if you looked at all the stuff I've written for Marvel and, and you thought, like, what would it be like if this guy wrote um, one of the Marvel events? Well, this is exactly what it would be like. <laughs> you know? 
It would be dark. It would have the Punisher in it. It would have Orb in it. It would have all the kind of stuff I've done and you know all my different um, books for Marvel over the course of you know eight nine years now, however long I've been there. You know, every time I read an issue of Original Sin, I'm just like, okay, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. God damn it, Jason Aaron's another goddamn red herring. You got me. <laughs> well, good. I mean, that's the. You know, I, I, I didn't want to do one of those kind of cheap mysteries where it's all just about yanking the rug out from under you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you know, it's still, even if you even if you figure out who the killer is, you know, in issue one, like it shouldn't matter. You should still be able to enjoy the story along the way. You know, it's not, it's not just about the plot. Um, so spoilers, if you, if you read some spoilers, it shouldn't really matter. You should still want to know, like, well, how does that play out? You know, it's not right. just about the answers to the mysteries. Right. Well, you did, uh, and spoilers for anybody who hasn't read issue four that dropped. Yeah, shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> but in issue four, you like, you did that big reveal about Nick Fury, and that was just brilliant. Like, what the whole, what was your reason behind doing that with Nick and making him that, like, little old man? <laughs> Well, I can't really say anything without spoiling issue five. Like you just have to. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> I mean, this is a book I've been. The interviews I've done about Original Sin are pretty easy because most of the questions I just can't answer. <laughs> I'd say I can't, I can't tell you that. Yeah, um, I tried, but so, I thought it was really cool how you had him like all of a sudden the door opens up and like this little old man comes out, and and all of a sudden. It all makes sense for me, you know. It just all sinks that wow. It's like all these life model decoys have been the young Nick Fury through all this time. It explains for me why his son is about almost the same age that we were led to believe, and it just it just worked, you know, seeing well, it happen. Thanks, but you're still making some assumptions there that may not prove to be true. I know. <laughs> just call me a message issue, board. <laughs> issue five. Issue five will answer. Some questions while raising others, just like most of the issues so far. Issue five is called "The Secret History of Nicholas J. Fury," so it it kind of it fills in some things we didn't know about Nick Fury. It fills in a part of his history that we've never seen before. Wow. Um, it doesn't answer all the questions about you know what, why is he old now? What's with all these LMDs? Um, why is he living on this satellite? Um, but it answers some of them. Yeah, I love when you had uh, Bucky cut off the, the head and just beat people with it. That was awful. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I love I love writing all the different characters together in Original Sin. Um, you know, Pun- Punisher and Doctor Strange were fun, and then Bucky and Punisher and. Rocket Raccoon and Punisher. I guess just variations of putting different characters in <laughs> the Punisher has been the most fun part. Oh, no, you, uh, because you put those, like, really weird teams together, and but they all seem to work. It's like, you know, when you had Emma and you had Scott Lang and you have these, like, really weird little teams going on. Are, are, is this going to be a part of a bigger scheme, that the reason why you put them all together? Yes. Yeah, I've said all along there's a reason. It's not just a random assortment of characters. Um you know, and if, if you can see kind of at the end of issue four there, Black Panther has maybe started to figure something out, and he says, you know, that we are the secret. And exactly what he means by that, we'll, we'll see, I think, in issue six. He kind of 
kind of get the answer to that. But yeah, there's a very specific reason why it's every one of those characters uh, was was chosen to be there. Okay, so I gotta know since I was a huge fan of your Rockos writer, what has been the hardest character for you to step away from? Whether it be like potential stories you had brewing that you didn't end up getting a chance to do, or, or just you know having just a real ending for a character, what's been the hardest one that you've had to say, yeah, I had a big plan, but I have other things I need to do or I want to do, so this has to kind of pay a price. That's a good question. I, I haven't had uh, too much of that. <clears throat> I mean, things always change, you know, and just kind of the nature of the business that things get shuffled and you think, well, I think I've got 24 issues on this book, and no, you've got 12, and no, you've got 8, and no, you've got 47, you know, things yeah. always <laughs> Well, like Ghost Rider, I know you had the main series, and then you got the chance to come back and do that, that little mini-series, that kind of final run, which was fantastic. So it was Thanks. almost like you, you had a little bit more of a chance to kind of wrap things up than you did with just the regular series by itself. Yeah, well, with that, I mean, those, those were pretty... Those issues that were published as a mini were pretty much going to be like the end of the, the ongoing book. It's just the numbers weren't great, so they canceled the book and published it as a mini to try to get a little boost. Um, and I, you know, I, that probably I think that um, that changed a little bit where I probably had like eight issues to wrap things up, and then I had five. So um, there's always stuff like that. I mean, I haven't had something big. I think where I've had to walk away from it. I mean, like I said, I was going to do more. Hellblazer at Vertigo because um, I did two issues and I was going to do some more stuff uh, but got but signed to Marvel exclusive so I had to walk away from that um, and I uh, in terms of like characters it was hard to walk away from it was actually a little bit hard when I when I left uh, X-Men stuff um, which I you know I, I mean I wrote Scout for 60 issues and that was you know, special to me because those were my characters. But when it was done, like it, it was done. I never really sat around thinking, like, wow, I'd really love to write Dash again. It was, it was always like, well, Dash's story is is done. So I just kind of moved on. But um, with with the X Men stuff, it was a little different in that you know I'd I'd been writing X Men for my entire career in comics. I, I won a Marvel Talent Search contest, you know, back in two thousand one. That was a Wolverine story. Um, so, so all these things that that led me into writing comics for a living were kind of Wolverine and X Men stuff, and I've been doing that the whole time. So when I when I wrapped up Wolverine the X Men and then I had to step away from Amazing X Men, it was honestly like kind of weird for a couple of days where I just realized like oh I'm I'm not involved with like deciding the direction of Wolverine anymore or these X Men characters and other people will continue to do that like it's not. Just because I'm not writing Wolverine anymore, they're not going to stop publishing Wolverine. They're going to keep. <laughs> um, you get to become an appreciator from that point on. Right. So, so that is a little weird. It is a little bit like you know seeing your old girlfriend, like pictures of your old girlfriend with somebody else or your boy, boyfriend, and it's it's like well, like well, they look great, but I don't really want to see this, you know. <laughs> So I, I was like, for like two days, I was like that, and then I was like over it. So you know, I've 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 enjoyed um, Latour's take on Wolverine and the X Men. I'm excited about the Death of Wolverine stuff. So now I can go back to just being a fan of that stuff again. Right? Did you choose uh, Latour uh, to like pick up Wolverine and the X Men after are uh, you leaving? 
No, well, I mean, it's not It's not like it was my decision that I get to, to choose those things. Um, I mean, I, uh, Nick Lowe and I had talked a lot about Latour, um, and Latour had done already done some stuff for Nick. But no, I mean, that was that was all up to Nick Lowe. I mean, I, I, mean, I think I told him, if, if I, he probably asked me at one point, like, what, who I might like to see, and I think I... Well, Latour and Dennis Hopeless were probably the two guys um, that I named, who are both friends of mine. Um, but yeah, that was all up to him. Because Latour is really his uh, Wolverine X-Men still has your feel, which is great, you know, that it's not losing your uh, momentum, which I'm really happy about. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that it's, um, you know, he, he there's a lot of the Grant Morrison stuff in his, which there was a lot of that in mine. You know, there's kind of some of mine in his, but then there's a whole lot of just of Latour. So it does feel like it's not him trying to do the same thing I was doing. It's him very much, you know, taking the ball and, and running with it and, and kind of taking these characters to new places. So the stuff he's got coming up that I've heard about sounds, uh, sounds super cool. Some of it kind of makes me jealous to where I'm like, Damn it! Why didn't I think of that? That's a great idea. <laughs> but yeah, I've been, I've enjoyed reading that book, and it was hard to it's hard to let those kids go too. That was the other thing. I mean, even more than Wolverine, like I really loved writing those kids at the school. So um, that I mean, that was a book where I had I had long plans. I had plans stretching for a couple of years, um, and you know, we did 40, 40 something issues, but in the span of like two years. So we really churned out churned out a lot of issues. Um, which can kind of burn you out when you do that much in that short a time. Um, so I so I initially had big plans for a lot of other stuff I wanted to do, but just the way things sort of again my schedule changed and some things popped up, I I had to let that go. So it was hard to walk away from the kids. I could have written those kids for, for a few more years. Right. Yeah, you get a great development with them. But I, we do have a question. Uh, what would you call Wolverine the X-Men after Wolverine's dead? Well, the, there's already answers to that question. Trust me. Like, they've already figured all that out. So uh, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, because... What would you call it? What would you call it? Um, well, I don't want to say. I mean, I think uh, what they're going to do is kind of the natural thing that you should do. Um so yeah, I'll just say that. Okay. So tight lip. I know. <laughs> but, I will say. Not gonna do the the Deadpool and fill in random character that they did with Deadpool and Cable because that would be you know fun. Sure. You can put Deadpool anywhere, right? <laughs> um, Doctor Who and the X Men. I will say that my uh, initial original plan for Wolverine the X Men was that I would do that book for a few years, and then eventually spin out of that a kind of me doing my New Teen Titans book, because I'm a huge New Teen Titans fan, like the old Wolfman Perez, New Teen Titans. That was kind of the the first book that made me a comic book fan. It was the first book where I was like, oh, I want to read that every month. Um, so it, initially the, the plan for Wolverine the X-Men is I would have these kids in school and eventually... You know, Quentin Quire and some of them would, would leave to become, you know, the, my X-Men version of the new Teen Titans. So I'd do a teen superhero book. And that was going to be called New X-Men. But, yeah, obviously that we never got to that. Oh, wow. Some, oh, some, I know. You just sat at everything. <laughs> well, some, you know, there's, no, there's nothing that says I can't come back 
sometime some other time and still do that book. So you know, somewhere down the down the line, who knows? I still love the new Teen Titans. If I can't if I can't write the actual Teen Titans at DC, then I'll come up with like the next best thing and do some <laughs> some Titans X Men amalgam. Um, so, <laughs> right. So who knows? That may still happen someday. They live in a tower that's just an axe. <laughs> right. That's not a bad idea. Awesome. Awesome. I, that's, okay. I've always loved that about the Titans that they lived in a giant T. <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant glass T. In the middle of, of uh, on an island by right by Manhattan. <laughs> right. You can always find where the Titans live. <laughs> that was awesome. So um, you're working with Latour now with Southern Bastards, right? Yep. So, like, the whole Southern Bastards, that's been a really crazy book. That has been a crazy book. So it's... what, like, you did, for me, when I was reading, when I read them, it, the two issues, and three drops this Wednesday? This Wednesday. This Wednesday. Um it felt a lot of like the way you were writing Scalp that had that kind of a feel to it, that darkness to it. Like, did you kind of have that same kind of mentality when you were writing it, or? Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, the um, kind of the the beginning of the ideas for Southern Bastard started as a Scalp story, or, or it was like a character from Scouts and kind of grew into something else. Um, but I think uh, doing it with Latour. Um, changes it, then, you know, if I'd done it with somebody else, I think it's it's kind of quirkier, because he's a quirkier guy, he's a funny guy, so I think he's, he's always looking to um, sneak moments of humor into it. Just go through the, the three issues of Southern Bastards that, that will be out so far, and count how many cartoon characters there are in the book. There's a surprising number of cartoon characters, whether it's um, a t-shirt, or a, you know an ice cooler or a logo. Um, he loves putting cartoon characters in there. Um, so I, I, it's a to me it has a different tone than Scalp. I think it's it's dark, sure, but um, um, hopefully not quite as dark. A little bit quirkier, a little bit funnier. I think that's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing about Southern Bastards is that uh, I don't want to say too much, but the, the the this first arc of the book is really kind of the pilot episode. So take take it all together as the pilot episode. So it's really only once you read that entire arc do you really know what the book is about. Um, by the time you get to the end of issue four, you start to see okay, this is this is where it's headed. Um, yeah. You know, um, our guy of course worked at a comic book store and. Um, we have a customer, one of my favorites, who's from Alabama. And mm-hmm. the first time he had picked up a comic book, I think it was one of yours. And, you know, you mentioned something about Alabama. He's like, what does he know about from Alabama? I'm just like, oh, Jason Aaron's from the South. And one of his favorite parts was um, that line is like, wow, we haven't seen you in town. They're like, where has it been? 40 years since the day we put your daddy in the ground? I'm like, that's fantastic. <laughs> He's like, this is my life. <laughs> uh, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I you know the research I did for Southern Bastards was uh, living in Alabama for twenty or almost thirty years of my life. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's about where I grew up. Um, I grew up in a very rural, very country uh, area, 
um, on a, on a, a dead end road that's now named after my grandfather, who was a Baptist preacher and a coal miner. So that's pretty country, you know. Um, my, his dad, my great grandfather, died of rabies, and his dad, my great great grandfather, uh, stabbed the guy to death in an argument over some sheep. Um, sheep? Some sheep, yes. <laughs> So that's pretty country. So, um, yeah, all that's kind of injected into Southern Bastards. I do want to say, I, I noticed that one of the things I read about you is Southern Baptist or former Southern Baptist. And being a former Southern Baptist myself, I, I, do, I do feel like your writing has that sense of an appreciation for religion that comes from having the faith at one point, but also that kind of realization that there's 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 some bad stuff that goes with it, and what I love about Southern Bastards is I feel like it kind of perfectly encapsulates that that sense of looking back at your church days, and just going, "Wow, <laughs> I made it out of there," but you know, and, but yet also respecting some of the the good that comes from that stuff. So. Um, sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm glad it reads like that. Um, yeah, I, again, I grew up in Alabama, so. Um, pretty much anybody grows up there. You grow up in the church. I grew up in the Baptist church. Um, so it was only once I uh, got to college that, you know, I started to look at some things and I was like, well, I, you know, I don't know if I believe that. And I don't know if I believe that part. And then ulti- ultimately I had an epiphany where I was like, I, got, I don't think I believe any of this. You know? <laughs> um, but, so I've been an atheist for, for half my life, I guess, at this point. Um, for twenty something years, um, which you know the, I mean the 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 thing that that I think is amusing is that nothing really changed for me. Like I didn't change as a person. Um, my values didn't change. I'm kind of the same guy I was before. Um, it's just uh, you know that that I don't need that faith anymore. That that faith uh, just dissipated for me. Um, um, I don't know. We could have a long discussion about atheism, but that's probably not what we're looking for, huh? <laughs> no, but I, but I, I will say, I will say that um, um, I, I am glad I had that upbringing. I love that I have that knowledge of the Bible, knowledge of religion, that I grew up in a religion. I'm still fascinated by all religions, um, and I think you can see just through the work I've done in comics as a writer. Uh, clearly, I'm, I'm interested in it because it comes up you know, as a theme um, and a lot of stuff. And, you know, especially with the stuff I did with Wolverine, I think there was clearly a theme of fate. Um, you know, going back to the very first Wolverine story I did all the way through to the end of Wolverine the X-Men, that was a big thread, is Wolverine finding fate. Um, to the point where I, I remember reading at some point on a message board somebody criticizing me for forcing my Christian views upon people through my life. <laughs> Which I thought was awesome. Um, but again, you know, it's, I mean, it can, it, it, it's not like I'm repulsed by the idea of religion. It's just for me personally, you know, it's not, it's not a thing. Right. Wow. Wow. Because even in the whole, uh, in the Amazing X Men, the Nightcrawler story arc, you had uh, half the X Men went to heaven, heaven proper, and half went to hell. You know, you didn't even like, some people say it's at this dimension, that dimension. You're like, no, heaven. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and you know, the the I did this um, um, story when Nightcrawler died about him and Wolverine and kind of what what was in Nightcrawler's will, and that was very much a story about fate. Um, which you know, 
that's a part of that character. So, I mean, to me, as a writer, you're never supposed to, like, somebody shouldn't read a, a story that you wrote and know exactly how you feel about this, this issue or that issue or what side of the political spectrum you're on or, or just hear your voice coming out of other characters. You know, it's not about that. Um, it's about writing those characters and telling specific stories. So, um, you know, I like the fact that I, I don't think all of my stuff reads the same. I, I don't think I've got one voice that you hear in every single story, uh, or I hope not, because I, I certainly don't want to. I mean, I want everything to kind of be in service of that story or of those characters. And it doesn't matter if I'm an atheist or a Christian or whatever. Like, you, I should be able to write... Um, the characters as the characters. Right. And, and you do a beautiful job. Everybody has their own personality, their own, their own lives and everything, and you develop that beautifully. Um, I do want to say something that I remember when I first worked at a comic shop. It was the first weekend I was working there, and you were the first guest. You were the first party I ever worked. And there was a moment toward the end of the night, everybody was pretty liquid up, like they are at a comic shop. And you were standing by me, and guys were making out with guys, and girls were making out with girls. And you turned to me and you said, Eric, for the gay guy, you were the straightest one here. <laughs> Did I say that? You said that, and to this day, I've never forgotten that. <laughs> That's where that comes from? That's where that comes from. Jason Aaron's the one who said it. I, just, I never, because it was just, you know, you know how Mike was. Mike had everybody making up with everybody, and I was terrified, right. and you were standing by me. <laughs> yes, yeah, when Mike and, and Aaron were together, it was always uh, something. Um, I've never done signings anywhere else quite like the ones I've done. <laughs> it's always been a good time. I've been there three times, I think. Yeah. Three yeah. times, yeah, I've been there three times. I was convinced the first time they invited me down, it was only because the guys who owned the store were named Jason and Aaron. Uh-huh. <laughs> they invited me as a joke. <laughs> but I've been back twice since, so I guess not. Um, yeah, and I love that shop. I, I contributed money to their, their Geek Easy um, uh, expansion thing the other day, so I, I joined the Mug Club. So yeah. even, though, even though I make it down like once every three years... I expect, I expect to see my mug. Yeah, expect to see my mug hanging up for me when I get there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Thank you so much for that. Um, when I did um, wanted to say, okay, okay, there's only one thing now. You would you ever go back? Can you go back to DC? Would you ever consider going back to DC? Because I would love. Obviously, we'd like to write the Teen Titans, but you know, would you ever consider going back? Um, sure. I mean, who knows? You know, I, I mean, I would never say never. Like, comics is a really small industry. I always feel like you never want to burn burn a bridge with anybody, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have no ill will towards DC or no bad feelings about my uh, the stuff I did there. You know, I mean, I only did one book, really, for the DCU. I did one uh, Joker's Asylum one-shot, a Penguin story. Uh, it was the only DCU thing they ever did. So most of my stuff was at Vertigo. And, I, you know, I had a, a tremendous time at Vertigo. I wouldn't be uh, in comics at all if it wasn't for Will Dennis and Karen Berger at Vertigo. Wow. Um, and, and for me, really, I like as just as a fan, as a kid, you know, I, was, I grew up as a DC kid. <clears throat> so it was all that DC stuff in the 80s that made me a comic book fan. Um, Mutant Titans, 
now a more swamp thing. Um, looks like Atari Force, if you remember Atari Force. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Blue Devil. I loved Blue Devil. Um, you know, and then um, um, uh, Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. I kind of I was a big fan of all that stuff, really. I think before, you know, I became a big fan of the X-Men or anything Marvel. So it all kind of started for me with DC. So someday, who knows? I mean, I, I'm very happy at Marvel. I just... You know, re-upped on my exclusives for the, I guess the third time, wow. um, like a year ago. So, so I'll, I'll be, you know, at Marvel exclusive for another two years at least. And and at that point, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll want to resign with Marvel, or maybe not. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm very happy with the people I work with. I have a lot of faith in Axel Alonso as editor in chief, and and uh, uh, I love working under Tom Brevoort. So um, I have no complaints where I'm at right now, but who knows? You never know where, where things will take you. Right, right. Yeah, I would love to see some more of DC because I remember reading that Penguin and I love that one shot that, was, that you put a heart and soul to the Penguin, which was like mind-blowing to me. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I got to write Batman for one panel. <laughs> <laughs> so how was that? <laughs> it was great. You had one, you had one line, I think. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap this up. Jason, thank you so much for partaking uh, and letting us interview you. I really appreciate it. And it's awesome. And I guess I'll see you in three years. <laughs> two, about two years. <laughs> yeah, maybe not three. We, uh, I was just there when I was there last year, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, I'll have to try to make it back soon. Well, once we have all the mugs and everything, and, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to see anybody drinking out of my mug. <laughs> you know Aaron will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hopefully hopefully drink drink out of it is the only thing he does. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jason, again. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you guys. Don't forget you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail, ask us a question, or just tell us how much you love the show. Call that number, 951-468-8ASK. That's 951-468-8ASK. Give us a call and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, The Ones in the Blue Box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to Nerdy Show. Dot com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out FlameOnShow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 